Welcome to the OTT Collective Podcast, Season 1, Episode 1. Enjoy the show. Cool. I know so, your autism frameworks of no longer than 45. I'm special. You're special. Welcome back to... You, you had to do it. I said, let's, I, I, I literally said, let's not even acknowledge that we're recording. You can help yourself. <laughs> Welcome back to our podcast. We like we're to give value. It. We're doing the podcast again. I know, we like, we like to give value. We like to give something back. Do, do we even acknowledge why we stopped? And explain why we started again. Well, I can't remember why we stopped. I think we got pissed off with it anyway. Uh, well, we changed. Why, we changed our target market because subcontractors and builders and the like, nice guys, and they're my people. But when it comes to getting them to shift their fucking fat asses, you know, builders fucking bum and all that, getting it into gear to do this stuff, it was like herding cats or pushing treacle up hell with a fork. Yeah, the the sales side of it was relatively easy albeit frustrating at time because some sometimes we'd run into those right oh, you can't do that in my industry uh, i've never heard that so much other than working in in, in that industry uh, but when you've got a good candidate on the phone they'd, they'd be easy to sell to because they're aspirational but then getting them to do the work well yeah look at that but then when you wanted to get half of them to do the work well we can't do that in my industry and it's just like well we're hearing that before they pay and even if they pay, then they tell us that as well. So it's just like... I think part of it as well was over the... As COVID started to kind of wind down a little bit, kind of, it's still fucking bad. And I think everyone's just tired of it now. Over the summer, there was there was too much work. Then materials yeah, was were it. a bugger to get. Mm. Um, prices were sky high. But of course, now it's starting to... The edges are starting to fray. It cannot last forever. But... Hey, you can't tell those people. So we, we basically changed our target and we just gave up on the podcast because we thought we can't be fucking bothered. <laughs> but actually, I told you before we started recording, before I did my massive introduction of, hi, everyone, welcome back. Shut um, up. I had a message from a guy literally 20 minutes before we came on air or before we started recording saying, what's up with the podcast? I haven't heard it for a while. And I said, that's we're recording it this morning. Because, of course, this morning I was up at half past fucking five. You would. Uh, you if you think that. six o'clock is crushing it, I think it's more, <laughs> more about giving it a little bend in the head. But if you Gary think, V, watch out. If you think five, if you think six is crushing it, half past five must be absolutely fucking obliterating it. Because yeah? this normally I get up at six, I do an off, I, I take my pre pre-cycled drugs, and I go sit on the bike bike in the barn for an hour before having a shower and walking the dogs for four miles. So by the time Nine, well, half past nine rolls around, and I've done a fuck shit ton of exercise, more than most people do in a week. Well, this morning, I had the pleasure of taking my wife's friend, Mary, to fucking Cork. We got a boat in Faro, right, which is in Portugal for you fucking ignoramuses. And the Cork airport is closed at the minute, so she had to get the plane from fucking Dublin. So how did she get to Dublin from Cork? On the bus. And it's a great bus. Done it yourself. It's brilliant. It's even got a bog. <laughs> That's so autistic. It's a great bus. <laughs> it's a great bus. It's even got a toilet, you know? So, Buses are shit. It, I, well, it's, it's the easiest way to get to Dublin Airport. It beats the train. Fair enough. And it's like 20 quid return, 20 euro return. Um, mate, it's so cheap over here. I can get a, like a, train to, a, a, train, a train to Manchester to set me back like a, a, a one-up, 100 quid. But if, I, if I'm happy to get a coach, it's like 25 return. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So anyway, we, we, I took her to Cork, left, left here, at, well, I got to her house at half seven. She's about three miles And came home. I stopped by fucking Dunn's, the supermarket, did me shopping. And here I am. I've had a fucking, I've been crushing it today. I ain't done any work yet. <laughs> Don't I know it. But I'm, but I'm crushing it, you know? You cheeky fucker. You cheeky I've just fucker. fucking recorded 12 modules of fucking client acquisition framework 2.0. The world and game-changing thing from the Evil Boy Genius and Co. That's our new business, by the way. It's what we're going to call it. What? Evil Boy Genius and Co. <laughs> and Co. And Co in really little letters. Is Co short for company or Connor? <laughs> Connor. <laughs> Connor. 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 
No, anyway, so I've been fucking crushing it this morning, mate. Right? You have. Shit, I'm bro. proud of you. Um, and, now, and now we're recording the podcast again. I know. And, I know. You know and when I've finished, I want to walk the dogs. I'm going to go for a little. Might get some work this. done after lunch. Right? <laughs> I'm going to go for a little stroll after we've done this. I'm going to go for a shit. Oh, I you tell you what, your legs. Don't you just walk around in circles? You funny cunt! I have a little hill step, just like you do for your shit Achilles, but I only have it in one shoe. Uh, do you want to know something funny, John? Oh, I, I, I can't wear my Apple Watch around the house anymore because I don't wear shoes around the house, um, which means I walk with a limp because I have one leg that is about an inch and a half longer than the other. <laughs> and there's spice. a new feature on the Apple Watch that is uh, about your walking steadiness <laughs> and it measures oh, the God. distance of like your uh, each stride and uh, how symmetrical it is and it's That's about your brilliant. walking health which relates to your wider fitness but yeah. all my watch tells me is you're walking funny you're at height and risk to have a serious fall <laughs> <laughs> you're walking funny mate yeah. you think you could turn that fucker off wouldn't you type yeah, of, I've I, got a fucking gammy leg <laughs> But I, I almost want it on. So when I'm actually walking out, uh, yeah. it, it tells me how effective my heel step is. You know, is it getting squashed and I need a new one and whatnot? But I can't wear it around the house anymore because it goes, warning, you're going to fall over. Fucking hell. Well, I have to wear my <laughs> shoes around the house at the minute with these fucking heels in. Mm, you're still yeah. wearing them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She says if I if I stick with it, I'm a bit, bit lax on the massage, to be fair. But everything else I'm doing rigorously. And the, the change has been... Dramatic. I mean, we provide a bit of backstory quick. quick. No one knows this. We know this. The audience has no idea. We haven't been doing this. For oh, months. right. Well, a little while ago, when I say a little while ago, I'm probably talking best part of two years, I, I kind of started to get tendonitis in both my Achilles. So I did the sensible thing and ignored it for two years. <laughs> As you do. As you do. Well, I just couldn't be asked, you see. And I'll explain why this is in a minute. But in the end, I, I want to do martial arts again. But to do that, I need to get up to Cork. And I thought, there's no fucking way I can prance around on a mat with my Achilles tendons like this. So I went to the doctor. I went to the doctor. And, and that's a rigmarole in itself, because over here, now most, most doctors' consult, consultations are done over the phone. But I said, so you're probably going to have to see me because you need to fucking look at my tendons. Oh, my God. She fucking said, oh, is it, is it sore? And she just grabbed it. I'm nearly at the fucking roof. No, no, it's always that fucking swollen, you stupid woman. <laughs> so... She put me in touch with the physio. So I went to see this physio. Name's Fiona. And the first time I went, she was terrifying. Well, I think she was just in a bad mood, but in a way I appreciate it because her mood was a bit like me. She was she was rude. She was very upfront. She just took one look at my shoes and says, they've got to go in the bin. Get some new ones. <laughs> yes, mom. Yes, mom. And she says, oh, get some A6, A6 trainers. He says, you want the runners? Because they've got a heel on them, but they're also got support for the around the heel. So I've got some of that. And she says, you need to do this massage, which she was, I'll come to that in a minute. And she says, you need to stretch and a couple of other things. Um, and she said, they've never seen any as bad as this before. You must be crippled. And I says, yeah, I was. So I had this conversation. And because a couple of sessions later, she mellows a little bit. And I, I actually, I actually genuinely appreciated her approach because it's no bullshit, no fluff. And she's got this strange practice where, there's two curtained off booths. So she has two patients at once. So I can hear her talking to the other people or the other person. That is strange. Yeah. Well, I don't care. It not bother me. And she's so rude. But she's brilliant with it. I just fucking what you want, you know. But the first time I went, she had a fucking look and she said, change your shoes and call me an idiot and things. But she's, she's quite right. She says, lay down. So I lay down my stomach. And then she just grabbed my Achilles tendon and started... Doing that with you, and for the for the watchers or the listeners, I'm just rubbing my finger and forth, thumb and forefinger oh. together. Oh. And it wasn't like a massage on the skin, so there was no movement on the skin. So my fingers did not slide across the skin; they just grabbed the fucking oh. tendon, and she squeezed. I nearly fainted. It, the pain was incredible. Oh, I just did it to myself, and it's uncomfortable. My tendon. Yeah, it's, it, well, imagine that when it's like really swollen after two years oh. of neglect. Oh, and though though what. Because the reason she does that is it's about blood flow because the Achilles tendon has no blood flow of its own. It takes its blood flow from the surrounding tissues. And of course, massaging it gets blood flow in which encourages healing. So she sticks needles in them as well. 
Okay, acupuncture doesn't work beyond placebo, except in some very narrow range of things, usually where you need more blood flow. And that's one of the things, so it's not woo. Well, after, I think I saw it for seven or eight sessions, it's, it's massively improved. So now Sarah does the massage, I can do it myself. Massively improved. And we had a chat about business and stuff, and she's got a great business head. I've heard her on the phone, people ring up, and, and you can hear her kind of asking for a discount and stuff, or, oh, that's a bit expensive, is there anything you can do? And she says, no. You can either, that's right. Is there anything I can do? She said, Yeah, you can suffer if you like. <laughs> that's <laughs> amazing. Brilliant. She's, she's like an EBG. Name's Fiona. Yeah. Fiona, I can't remember her last name. How old is she? she? Well, I, I, she's about my age, I reckon. Yeah. I've got her on WhatsApp. I'll show you a picture of her a few years ago. She's a fucking good looking woman. She's not bad looking now. But when do you she think she'll mind? She, uh, I suppose this video isn't going to go anywhere. So you can show me. She was a damn a good looker years ago. I wouldn't mind her rubbing my Achilles tendons. <laughs> yeah, I said to her, my dick's a bit swollen. You want to rub that too? She, <laughs> and for the listeners, I didn't actually say that. <laughs> yeah, there's to. no sexual harassment here. <laughs> no. Just in private on podcast. On them. <laughs> so anyway, part of that story, what something else she told me to do was to get some heel lift. So I went online, and, and funnily enough, I've just seen in my Instagram feed, just a couple of days before that, adverts for heel lifts. And if you remember, we laughed about it, and I said how sad and pathetic these guys were. And I laughed and joked about it with Phil as well, because Phil's my PT, and he's, he's about the same height as me, at five foot fucking five, just under. So what did I end up buying? These heel lifts. <laughs> and honestly, the emails I got afterwards, oh, you'll feel far more confident around women now. I'm thinking, no, I fucking won't. Oh, really? Because oh, that's what they're made for. They're made for short oh. guys to feel more confident. Oh, that's the angle of it. Yeah, that's the... Wow. I'll send you the link. It's actually fucking... You don't need to show me now, mate. I believe no, you. No, no, I'll just read it out because I've only sent Fiona one fucking message in my life. And that was a link <laughs> to this website because she was really well in, impressed with these tail lifts. Konzuri. C-O-N-Z-U-R-I dot com. And... Uh, it's all about got shoes and inserts for guys who are short who want to be taller. Your secret is safe. Hidden height boost. It's all about feeling confident around women and shit. And it, oh. it gets even worse. Right? It gets even worse. Because the next time I went when I bought these things, she's, she says, uh, I like that. She's fucking trying to separate my Achilles from the rest of my leg, you know? Oh, God. And she says, I bet you feel more confident now, don't you? And I says, what? You, you've lost me. Why? Well, because you're taller. And I just laugh as if the last thing I need is more confidence, seriously. <laughs> yeah, that'd be dangerous. Yeah, and then we had a chat about it. And I was like, you know, I've never bothered about being short. He says that every, she says, you're the only man who's ever said that. Every other man I've ever spoken to and recommended as these healers. Um, always comes out in conversation, they feel more confident. Are you sure? I says, I'm positive. I says, you know, you don't want me to be more confident. That would be a really bad idea. Yeah. I, I don't get it. I really don't. I mean, again, for the listeners, I'm five foot four and seven eights. And I just don't give a shit. I've never wanted to be taller. It's never even crossed my mind. It's uh well, it's you're a smart man, John. You can you can understand why. It all comes down to sex. Yeah, but you don't need to be tall to have sex. You're lying down no, for most of it. Obviously, <laughs> but part of initial attraction, yeah is women like men that look like they can manhandle them. And one of the easiest ways that, you know, they might like the look of that is if someone's significantly taller than them. You know, there was a whole sort of, uh, when Tinder was exploding, it almost became a meme in its own right, where women would put in their bios, if you're yeah, under yeah, six foot, that. fuck off. I've seen that kind of thing before. I've never paid any attention to it. It's never bothered me. I can only recall one woman ever turning me down to my face because I was too short. And she was about six foot. And she wasn't nasty about it. She just said, I prefer oh, my man tall. I said, okay, fair enough. But I've had, my, my first wife was taller than me. I've had loads of girlfriends taller than I am. It just, it's, well, that's easy, mate. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's not difficult. I'm not saying it's difficult. <laughs> but it's just never been a thing. I just, uh, it's like, no, Dev, Dev's the same height. And Phil, they're the yeah. same. I just don't get it. But I used to work with a guy called Adam. And he was really short. He was about five foot three. Oh, and he, he was saving up to go to Russia. Because in Russia, what? Well, they've got this operation right in Russia. But what they do is they'll take your leg, they'll take your, your, your radius, your, your, sorry, your, your, I think it's your tibia. Well, it's your thigh bone anyway, whichever one that is. Your fib and your tib. 
Yeah, they'll, they'll take your thigh bone because it's just the one bone. And what they do is they, they will cut it surgically and they put you in a fucking um, traction thing and they separate the bones by about a millimetre. So the, the ends of the bone grow together. So then they do it again and again. And by doing that, they can add, you know, an inch or two to your height. And it's natural, it's bone. It's not a, yeah, yeah. they literally make your leg longer. And he was on, he was on about saving to do that. So he, he might, he might reach the heady heights of five foot five, like me. <laughs> I don't know if you actually did it or not, you know, but I'm thinking, why would you do that? Yeah, that's silly. I think that's silly. I had but my thigh. It is, but there are guys who've paid thousands, tens of thousands of pounds for fucking hair transplants. That's also silly. But I agree. I'm, yeah, I think it's silly. I, I understand sort of, it's, it's, isn't it like mental health day today or like a couple of days ago or something? And, you know, I saw someone talking about all of this. And uh, I tell you what, you're going to love this tran- transition. I was just thinking, yeah, you don't need more confidence by having more hair. You just need to be a little bit more resilient. Yeah, absolutely. That's very well done, that was. Because that's what we're supposed to be talking about, isn't it? Yeah. 25 before, minutes in. Before we get into that, there's, I do want to shoot some details to the uh, the, the podcast listeners on, on how this is going to go. Uh, so we're not doing it daily anymore. So if you're, if you're excitedly downloading today, expecting another one tomorrow, uh, wrong, you're going to be disappointed. We're going to be doing these weekly and we're going to be doing them in seasons, six episodes to a season. Each season has one overarching topic and then each episode under the overarching topic is about one particular part of the overarching topic. Uh, And then we'll have a two-week break and then we'll do six more episodes about a different overarching topic. These next six episodes are all about the foundations. John has labelled it freelancer foundations, but I've got a bone to pick with freelancers. Every time John says freelancers, I get the ick, but we do work with you. And, you know, we've got some good guys in our group that are freelancers that try and prove me wrong and they're doing so. But the next six weeks are all about the foundations of running a successful business, essentially, whether you're a coach, consultant or freelancer or a free... Yeah. Paid Lancer, we should start. Well, basically, let, let, let me just let me let me let me interject here. What we call freelancers. So I'm talking anyone who, who really who, who works for themselves, maybe a very small team, but they perform a service where they do something for someone. So that would be copywriters, SEO people, social media people, virtual assistants, photographers, website designers anything like that the soft services but really what we teach and what we're doing will work and what we're talking about now and we'll be doing in, in the subsequent series and episodes it works for anyone who's doing that kind of job so you're looking at coaches and consultants for sure freelancers of all flavors but even professional service providers such as lawyers accountants architects surveyors auditors anything like that it's the, it's the, because their business model, though what they teach is, <clears throat> what they do is essentially is very different, obviously. The way their businesses work, their business models are almost identical. It yeah. even works with some modifications, and, and we've proven this, so this isn't like, oh, this will probably work, but this is guys doing it now. It even works for builders and, and subcontractors. And we'd still be with, with you guys listening. We'd still be with you guys if you weren't such lazy fucking recalcitrant cunts. The thing is, we, we still get geezers in that trade coming through and we welcome Ooh. them with open arms because uh since yeah, we we've, open, uh, we open them with open we welcome with open arms <laughs> we do and because <laughs> since we stopped focusing on them the the guys that have really sort of loved and appreciated us they, they've watched our transition they're like right now's the time to hop in whilst it's still semi-relevant now don't want and, us. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> typical now john and connor hate us yeah but they, those guys have been really good we've had uh what we've had uh, health and safety, fire safety people recently. We've got roofers, tilers coming on still. Uh, but the one thing we also did notice, which did sort of fuel this change, is even when we was focusing on the uh, construction lot, there were so many coaches, consultants, and freelancers still just messaging us. Will this work for me? Yeah, wasn't it? And it was like, yeah. well, we're getting all these messages from this target market when we're not even talking about them. And to be fair, that's where my roots are as a copywriter. And, and mine too. So, it's, it's, more, yeah. it's more authentic. We went for our working class roots with the authentic. construction a lot. <laughs> our yeah. most authentic selves. Uh, we realised, you know, uh, we're, we're working class at roots, but our, our brains are the size of planets. 
So uh, we left small planets, but planets nonetheless. <laughs> planets, none. Pluto, even though that's Pluto. technically not a planet anymore, is it? Well, so they say. I don't think Pluto even knows about it himself. Gives a shit. <laughs> Pluto's oh, a dog people anyway. are getting angry about it and all sorts. You know, a bit like people getting angry because Superman snogged a bloke. What? Oh, apparently DC Comics. The it's not even Superman. It's Superman's son or something. He's, bis- <laughs> he's come out as bisexual. And there are actual grown-ups getting angry about this. What? Well, how have I not heard about this? I don't fucking know. But usually I've heard of this. this. Usually I've heard the problem. Never mind that. The fact is, DC Comics have revealed that Superman's successor or son is a fucking raving bisexual homo type. And there are actual grown-ups getting angry about it. That's the best thing I've heard all day. Yeah, it's only fucking half past 11. Come on. That's the best thing I've heard all week. But honestly, there are there are actual grown-ups getting angry about it. It's like people who get angry because they're talking about a, a, a black James Bond, oh. or a, or again, when they've done this, you know, a woman, a woman Doctor Who. You know, they're getting angry. Why are you having an emotional reaction to something that's not real? A fictional character. I know. <laughs> oh, it's bizarre. I mean, I can see why a female or a woman playing 007 would be would be stupid. Mm-hmm. Because because 007 is quintessentially a man. If you want to do that, yeah, have a spin-off with a woman character. Mm. And this isn't about sexism or anything. It, it, it would ruin the story. It would ruin the character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit like you perhaps a bit young to remember this, but Red Dwarf, the cat, was quintessentially a vain male tomcat. So when the Americans remade the series, they made the cat a woman. This it completely destroys the whole point of the cat. The cat was ridiculous, the cat, <laughs> but the cat when it was cast as a woman just became into a cougar you know it was it completely destroyed the humor of it it was it was pointless they missed whoever fucking did that should be taken out and shot yeah so there was sometimes it makes sense did you say it was american yes exactly obviously there are times it makes sense to keep things as they are but uh, keeping james bond white is not one of them keeping doctor who as a man is not one of them either i hate fucking james bond anyway I fucking I think it's fucking cartoons for adults. It, it, I think it's pathetic. Honestly, when I see these fifty-year-old men getting all precious over 007, I'm like, grow up, oh, grow man, up. Those are great. The classics, they're classics. Craig. Daniel Craig is brilliant. Oh <laughs> mate, you're not precious over it, so I'll exclude you. But oh, that's true. I, I just don't. I, I've, I've never watched a James Bond and gone. I'm happy I watched that. I bet you don't watch Star Trek either, do you? Uh, I have. I prefer watching Star Wars. Oh, for fuck's sake. I'm a fucking hypocrite, though, because I, 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 I will defend Star Wars to the death. So I'm and, and, and you also get precious about football. How do I get precious about football? When I pointed out how Leicester beat Chelsea, was it Chelsea you support? Yeah, I'll tell you what this when, is. When Leicester trounced Chelsea and won the cup. Hello? The, the, the fact that you, you see what I mean? You're getting precious. This me off. No, because this is like, no, this is like, yeah, this is like <laughs> when our clients say this doesn't work for us or yeah, a okay. prospect says it doesn't work calm for us. Down, it's like, you don't have the right to have this opinion. You okay. don't have the right to <laughs> talk about football. <laughs> Take a deep breath. You don't have the right. <laughs> you are just pissed off because my hometown, who I don't even support, beat your favourite team. Uh, do you know what pisses me off? You couldn't even name a fucking player. You can't even name the cup. You couldn't even name the manager. Like the cup. It was the, it was the FA Cup, wasn't it? Oh, fuck. I could name the cup, <laughs> but you're right. I couldn't name a single player. I couldn't name a single. I couldn't name the manager. I couldn't even tell you where the ground is. It used to be on Filbert Street. Uh, it's it's like if I tried to start talking about complex adaptive systems, I have no right nor understanding of it, and that would piss so you off. Funny because it's and an that... it's an objective <laughs> fact that Leicester beat Chelsea. Your favourite. No, no, don't thing. deny that. That's what's so funny, <laughs> and you get so oh. angry about it. Just because Leicester were the better team on the day, and they were the better the team too. on the day, and probably every other team. day. Yeah, they finished fucking fifth. I see. <laughs> <laughs> no, Le- Leicester's like everyone's second club because they're see, fucking going to die. Why getting angry about these things? You're showing two. You're lacking two things, right? One is responsibility for your own emotions, and two, resilience. I do this all with a smile. I know he does. He does really. 
<laughs> resilient. Should yeah. we actually 25 minutes in? Not that we've been speaking for 35, but the first 10 minutes we yeah. were just chatting. 25 minutes in. Should we get to the topic? Let's get to the topic. Resilience. Let's, well, resilience let's is, topic. is essentially I thought about this a lot, and it's one of the things I teach the Stoics kind of believe in. And I think it underpins everything. I mean, there's the five Stoic virtues, and we, we can have whatever virtues and values you like. But underpinning it all is, is resilience. And what resilience is, it's, it's a kind of toughness, but not an external toughness. It's internal toughness. Resilience is basically how you deal with adversity and, and, and bounce back from it. Think of, a say, a, a, the steel spring in a leaf spring. You know a leaf spring is, don't you, in a, in a truck? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Think of a leaf spring, how they bend under pressure, but they're tough. They don't break. Mm. And the, the thing is with resilience is people just don't have it and we don't teach it. I know why this is. I think there is, I think there is kind of superficial, what you might call existential reasons for it. But I think there's a deeper, almost insidious and possibly malicious reason for it too. Governments, successive governments do not want resilient people as citizens because resilient people are, are tough and they won't stand to be pushed around. And that they don't want, they won't invite the nanny state into their lives to make decisions for them. Well, the governments don't like that. They like to be able to make rules because governments are actually people and people are nasty things. Yeah. And there's, there's nothing worse than a person who wants to be in charge of other people. They're a kind of altruist and we all know how vile altruists can be. Yeah. Now, resilience is something I, I believe we should be teaching in school. I mean, let, let's start with school. Let's talk about bullying because you see it a lot on LinkedIn. Everyone's a bully. If you disagree with someone these days, you're bullying them. Yeah? And that, then immediately they disapprove of you. And if you, if, you, if you don't actually bow down and agree with them, you're then part of the problem. Well, now, the minute you tell me I'm part of the problem because I, you disapprove of what I'm saying, it tells me actually you are part of the problem. And it's why, you know, why I'm not jumping on your hobby horses. Now, resilience in schools, let, let's start by saying, yeah, bullying is wrong. We should discourage it. We should stop it when we can. I've been to the school before about my own children being bullied. I won't tolerate it. If I see it happening, I will stop it. You know? I won't tolerate it for a, for a second. Bullying is wrong. But let's, let's recognise bullying happens because it does. So does rape. So does murder. So does sexual abuse. So does all kinds of abuse. Spousal abuse, both men against women and women against men. How you let it affect you is, is a measure of your resilience. So to say to women, for instance, and this is a, a very hot topic these days, women say, oh, we have the right to, to walk the streets without fear. Yes, you do. No one's stopping you. Being safe, which is what they really mean, and yeah. not feeling fear are two completely separate things. I know a guy who was six foot tall, an ex-powerlifter, who was terrified of spiders. Okay, He felt real fear with these tiny little spiders. That fear was un irrational. Now, is the fear of walking down a street at night irrational for a woman? Sometimes, yes, it is. Because when women do get attacked, it's high profile. But how many women walk down how many streets and nothing happens to them? Far more. No woman is forced to feel afraid walking down the street. They choose to. Of course, if you, if you say these things, like I'm saying them now, immediately you're part of the problem. No, I'm not. I'm actually, it's an objective fact. You choose your own emotions. If you are yeah. afraid to leave the house because you're afraid of what might happen to you, you don't know, you don't have resilience, okay? Shit happens, and it's not even about what other people can do. It's not about all about external agencies and conscious agencies. Resilience is also about what happens if you, you lose your job? What happens if your house burns down? What happens if the economy tanks? What happens if you or a loved one gets a terrible disease? What happens if one of your kids dies? What happens if your parents die? We all fucking die at some point, and there's a very good chance you will not be the first person in your circle of friends or family to die. So what happens then? How you react to that is a measure of your resilience. So to say teaching people or, or suggesting people learn a bit of resilience is bullying is bullshit. It's nonsense. It's how you deal with objective facts going on around you as well as other things. Yeah? And I, I despair of the human race. And of course, I think one of the reasons people don't want to be resilient is one, it's hard work because <laughs> it's a learned Very. skill, which we should be teaching at school. I have to say, um, I've always been very much, I would never send my kids to a, a private school. Uh, I feel like they need to be thrown into the, the common school. Um, but everything that we say should be taught at schools is now being started, uh, is now starting to be taught at private schools. My younger brother has sessions 
about meditation sessions, about controlling uh, anger sessions on resilience right. and whatnot. And it, <clears throat> it, it dumbfounds me because I, I went to a common school, as did you, and these things were just never even mentioned. Certainly not 40 or 50 years ago when I was there. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was fin for yourself I, I, in, in I the playground. Stare. You know, I despair. There are schools, and I can't remember who said this, but I was told by someone who was a governor of a school, um, their policy, and he doesn't agree with it, the policy of the school is if you retaliate against a bully, you get in more trouble. Yeah, and the I've reason, and this is the appalling thing, the reason is there's no point in punishing the bully because you'll never learn, but you will. I oh, know, that's fucking obscene. When I was seven years old, I literally kicked the teeth out of the school bully's face. No one said a word except fucking got on you, John. Yeah, yeah, as it's all my life, and he deserved it. He would not leave. Me. I was, I was a little autistic kid. He would not leave me alone until one day I snapped and fucking made a mess of him. So, so we should be teaching why is resilience. Why is why, resilience so important for business owners? Well, it's so important for business owners because the minute you start marketing yourself in any meaningful way, other than I like ice creams. What's your favourite <laughs> ice cream? Yeah. Anything more than that, you will get people pissing and moaning. Just this very morning, one of my friends, Sarah, Sarah Maguire, I'm using her name because it's, it's, it's on a public forum, so anyone can see this. She posted a post yesterday saying something like, um, it was, it was tongue-in-cheek, there's nothing worse than your printer jamming its paper when you've got an 80-page document to print before bed. One person comes on and starts saying, how is this relevant to a professional platform? The archetypal, this is not Facebook kind of post. Someone else came on and said, uh, Oh, I'd imagine losing your job or home through COVID is probably worse than this. Po-faced, humorous pricks. Now, you can't stop people making comments like that. You can block them if you want, delete the comment, but you can't stop them making them unless you set your post for no comments. And what's the point in that? Especially a tongue-in-cheek one. Okay, So you can't stop people saying these things about you. So how you respond to it is entirely up to you. Now, Sarah sent me a message laughing because she's got resilience, funnily enough. But some people... They would write their own post on LinkedIn, pissing and moaning about that post and say, what do you think? I'm really upset. I'm triggered. They're bullies. Well, for fuck's sake, you know, people, if you, if the minute you stand or say any stand for or say anything meaningful or even not meaningful in that case, anything in a moment you make a fucking joke, someone's going to be offended. Someone's going to be pissed off and they will post about it. And then how you respond to that is entirely up to you. Now, to me, the work, First kind of response is to get emotional about it, get upset about it, get angry about it. I, my reaction is either to ignore it, engage them by fucking laughing in their faces, or sometimes just delete it. Or block them if they're just pissing me off. If they're, well, not pissing me off isn't the right word. If they're just, if they're an irritant, like a fucking, like vermin, or stone in my shoe, just get rid of it. I'm not interested. I'm not there to debate you or excuse myself or, or justify anything. People... You know, going on from that, people will get comments about their prices. People comment about my business practices all the time. Well, charging up front for an initial phone call. Can't do that. That's mercenary. That's unfriendly. That's unhelpful. It's supposed to give value. We never do business like that. You know, people, people fear doing these things, not because of even what clients will think. Some people, because they've told me this, some people fear doing it because of what other copywriters will think of them. Yeah, that's Why good. would you care? This, uh, a lot of it comes back to, uh, well, First and foremost, you definitely need to be resilient because in order to, one of the easiest ways to, to make your small freelancer business successful is by taking a stance on things, being, being polarizing, push the cunts away, pull the people closer that you want to work with, but you're going to get backlash. So you need to be resilient in that case. And in terms of charging up front for phone calls, I think people are so against that is because Gary V is he's very popular. He's not our cup of tea. Uh, I, I think I'd have a good conversation with the geezer, but he wrote a book called Jab, 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 Right Hook, I think it was, Jab, Jab, Punch, maybe, even. And the Jab, Jab is all about value, value, ask for money. So two pieces of value, ask for money. And it's just so backwards. I think so. I mean, if, people, thing, <laughs> if anything, right? punch, Jab, Jab. <laughs> here's the thing, right? I don't tell anyone else what to do i don't tell them they should do it my way they must do it my way i point out some very simple facts it's all about choices actions and then consequences if you choose to give value if you choose to get on the phone with people for free if you choose to uh do proposals for free and then wait for two months chasing them up if you choose to give this discount that's entirely up to you i'm not one going to tell you you shouldn't be doing it 
Yeah, but you will you will suffer the consequences, and the consequences are you're overworked and underpaid. You're running a shit business, and you get treated like dirt. Now, the other thing you can do is if you charge up front and you don't get on the phone without being paid, etc., 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 you won't suffer those things. I cannot be cheated. I cannot be given the runaround. I cannot be ghosted. Well, let's be clear. I can be ghosted in the sense that they can just not reply to me, but I can't be ghosted having a lot of outstanding work. They can't not pay my invoices. Or they can not pay my invoices, but they can't owe me money and then not pay their invoices. Because I invoice up front, you know. So I can't be cheated like that. I can just have people who waste two minutes of our time with an email. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's just actions and consequences. There's no morality here. But of course, I don't tell them that. But they, they see a moral issue here when there isn't one. And the reason they do that, right, and, and this is a reason I think for a lack of, lack of resilience in adults, not so much kids because they don't know any better, but in adults, it's because to show resilience... One of the fundamental things, and we're talking about this on Monday at the foundations, um, my presentation foundations, one of the things about resilience is it, it's almost a prerequisite is you accept responsibility, even if it's not your fault. You expect respons- accept responsibility for where you are, what you're doing, how you feel about it, your emotions and your reactions, all those things, because that is about, that is resilience. You know, and, uh, shit happens, okay, this is, I don't know how this happened, this is not my fault, but I'm going to accept responsibility for fixing it. And how I feel about it is definitely on me. Well, that's scary for these people. Because they know if they change their business practice, they'll get all these people telling them it's the wrong way and you won't get business like that. Their friends, their family, their parents, their siblings probably, their, their, some of their clients might say they don't like it. How many times have you had people say to you, oh, I've got some advice from a client the other day. Why the fuck are you taking business advice from your client unless your client is qualified? And mostly they're not. It's like taking vaccine vaccine advice from a fucking locksmith, you know? Oh, yeah. Stupid. Stupid. I used to get fucking tons and tons of unsolicited advice about how I did Facebook ads, um, how I should be. uh, So I'm going a little bit into detail here. But every agency owner that I ever spoke to, every service business that was engaged with a Facebook agency that wasn't myself, uh, and even the Facebook gurus were all saying um, oh, the best way to do Facebook ads now is to do a post that is geared to get lots of engagement and then retarget all of the engagers uh, making an offer. And I always said, I think that's a terrible idea. I said, I'll test it, but I think it's a terrible idea because you're writing a post geared towards engagement. So you, you, you're automatically targeting people that are spending far too much time on Facebook and liking everything that they, they see. You're not targeting buyers. You're probably writing in, to use the horrible word, in, in an unauthentic way because you're, you're, you're writing you in a way that's optimizing for engagement, yeah. not for sales. You're not twisting any knives. And then you're retargeting them with an offer that, is probably completely unrelated and just makes you look silly. Like, like if you like steak and then making an offer to make a booking at the steak restaurant, it, it just makes no sense. Well, no, you should just make the offer to book a steak restaurant up front with some really good copy and just talk about how good your fucking steak is. Um, I have engaged several clients over the years and what I have taken over, what I have found when I've taken over their ad accounts is that these agencies have spent tens of thousands on pounds on generating likes and comments, generating traffic to blog posts and then retargeting with offers with then the cost per lead being like 10 pounds, where if you just do a proper job in the first place, your cost per lead is like a fiver. And the thing is, they the cost per lead on the retargeting off the back of the engagement post was around in line with what you'd pay for a lead. But they didn't factor in the amount of money they spent getting the like in the first place into the final cost per lead. And And they didn't even, I was going to say, and the quality, because you're now just getting some fucking two-bit cunt that just likes everything on fucking Facebook. And it just made me think, wow, Jesus Christ. So I had to be very resilient to resist that because everyone was telling me I'm wrong in the way I do Facebook ads. But here I am, and all of my methods still work today. And I've been doing it eight years now. Yeah, I, I get, I've got a stack of emails and screenshots and in my old LinkedIn account before it got canned. And even in my new one, I, and WhatsApp, I, I've got dozens of messages from clients who said, 
oh my God, I did this screenshot of the messages going back and forwards. It's changed my life. I had one this morning. What happened was guy, guy gets a post. I'll quickly have a look at it now, just so I get it right. Guy, guy said, guy sends my my mate, my client, my phone number, three after ten until one this morning. Not even a call me, just sends me his number. So my mate goes back and says, I don't do phone calls, um, but I do Zoom calls if we're a good down the line, if we're a good fit. Um, would you answer some? He gives a reason for it. I'm not going to say what that is. It's not appropriate. Um, are you okay to chat here? So he basically cuts a call at the, the knees and, and just triages him, which is what we teach. Uh, and the guy, the guy confesses. He says, oh, I've got a marketing guy. I want to run it past first. So what he wanted was my mate to get on the phone to suck his brain out of his ears and then give it to his marketing guy. Yeah. Who's, who I'm reading between the lines. He's not very qualified. So here's what you do. My, this guy just told, this professional just told me, you do that. Well, by doing it our way, my way, that cannot happen. And he says, you just saved my life. You're saving hours of time. I've had people message me and say, it's changed my life and business. Yeah, I've got my wife and kids back now because I'm not on the phone talking to people who are never going to buy from me. I like people uh... can't charge up front. Here's something else. This really, this doesn't just boil my piss. This completely fucking evaporates my bladder. <clears throat> All right. Okay. People say, "Oh no, I like to, I like to give value. I like to to get to know people. I like to I like to help people. That's why I do free calls. I like to help them." So I say, "Okay, that's fine. You like to help people." So when they start paying you, does that mean you're not helping them anymore? <laughs> no. Well, you just said working for free is helping them, so is is being paid for your 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 work not helping them? Because if that's the case, that's a bit puzzling. Because when you do start taking their money, that means you're then cheating them because you're not helping mm. them anymore, but you're taking their money. And then I say, and if if you can help them and be paid for it, why don't you just get start at the beginning and charge from the beginning? Because you're still helping them by definition. You just said, you know, it's, it makes no sense. Your argument has a hole in it and you've just fallen through it. Now, I'll tell you why people argue about it. The reason, the reason people won't charge up front, they won't charge for calls, they won't invoice at the beginning of the month instead of the end. The reason they won't use action plans instead of proposals. The reason they won't do any of this stuff is they have no resilience. They cannot say no. They cannot bear to be rejected. It's fear. And the reason they then turn it around into being some kind of moral thing is it feels comfortable. It's yep. much more comfortable to say, that's sort of, you know, to, to paraphrase it, that's against my business religion. Can't do that it's against my business religion. And my religion forbids that. It's not about me. It's about this thing up here that won't let me do it. I can't do it. It's, 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 it's wrong, morally wrong. My morals won't let me do it. It's easy to do that than say, Actually, I'd love to do it, but it's hard work to learn and I'm scared. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's the a two, quote. They're too cowardly to admit they're scared. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's a difficult one. It's not difficult at all, actually. Most people, and this is, this is where I was going with this quote, Steve Jobs said, and uh, it's a very wanky thing to do to quote Steve fucking Jobs. It is. It's very wanky. But he said, the world you live in and the rules you play by were created by people no smarter than you. Question them. And it's, it's the best thing I've ever heard from Steve Jobs. And it's the least quoted thing I've ever seen. You know, it, it's usually think different, Steve Jobs. Well, that's, that's a bit wanky. But that quote itself has it, always stood by me because it's like, well, yeah, why am I doing this? Well, because it's the predetermined way. Well, who set this precedent? Well, I, I've got a bit of a... I've got some self-worth. I, I think I can probably come up with better ways of doing things. And things. I do often, and I get questioned for it. Well, why, why don't you just do it the normal way? Because why the fuck would I? There's so many people doing it that way. So many people have addressed this. Lil Nightingale, the majority always is always wrong, which, we, which is a condensed version of the full quote, which is, if you're in a, in a situation, in a given situation, and you've got no clear direction from, that, from outside, no clear advice from anyone, the, the thing to do is to see what everyone else is doing and do the opposite. We, we, we just condense that into the majority is always wrong. And it's damn yeah. right. Is, right? Is, they, doesn't Warren Buffett live by similar rules? I'm almost certainly. This, this, even um, Marcus Aurelius said the same thing in a, in a much more roundabout way about not pandering to the masses, doing your own thing. But a really good quote I heard, well, I can't even remember where I got it from. It might have been a trashy novel. Um, <laughs> but it's so relevant because... These things keeping people in line, these fears, it's fear of other people's opinions, which you need resilience yeah. to ignore, to become indifferent to. Well, the way he described it, he said, um, there are no chains, and he was talking about men, it's also true of women, he says, there are no 
No chain binds a man as tightly as the chains he doesn't know he wears. Well, this, this fear of other people's opinions and their vituperation and opprobrium, they're chains we don't even know we wear. We, we're not, most of us are not aware these things are guiding us. I am, and so are you, because we've made ourselves aware of it. To some extent, it's natural for me being autistic, because I, I kind of sit outside the normal mainstream of human thought, not so much yeah. intelligence-wise, but in terms of social etiquette i don't understand it and that, so i'm always an observer social constructs and yeah, behaviors they're, they're, they're quite alien to me and mm. I, I get i mean i have to be resilient because i get all kinds of shit for that i get i get shit for not having any empathy which is none of my choice and when i tell people say you got empathy so which, which bit you're talking about now you're talking about compassionate empathy cognitive empathy or effective empathy huh? don't know what you mean well then why have you got a fucking opinion about it you don't even know anything about it seriously and they get angry about that too People are scum. They really are. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure we end every podcast ever like <laughs> well, fed up with people. Scum. Yeah, people are scum. I, uh, yeah. I, I, I feel like we're nearing the end. So yeah, I wanted to. to give a simple sort of Value. framework of how to build some resilience. And uh, I took it from the Stoics and uh, I'm going to share it with you. And then no doubt you'll put it back, tear it apart and put it back together better than I said it. Can we do that? Yeah, quickly then, because I need to go. All right. Calm but down, to walk. Dogs to walk. Yes, at 12, correct? Yeah. So we've got five minutes. Walk five minutes. Perfect. Um, asking yourself in a, any situation, what's the worst that can happen? I, I find that helps me tremendously. Probably you not so much because you just don't give a fuck in the first place. But anytime you're making a decision that you're, you're a little bit worried about, you can be you're so much more resilient by just asking yourself, well, what's the worst that can really happen here? Again, we, we have clients that worry about posting on LinkedIn. You just say, what's the worst that can happen? You get no likes and you get no comments and you get no direct messages. Well, so what? Why, why are you scared of that? And then you're confronting your fears straight on and belittling them. And then you make yourself feel silly because you're like, yeah, why am I scared of that? Oh, someone might say something nasty. So what? Um, another thing is, and this is big in stoicism, is taking the view from above, put it into perspective, get a grip. You love talking about uh, sort of men my age uh, pussyfooting around with their man buns compared to the young men of old driving fighter jets into war, not knowing whether they'd come back. Well, Lancaster bombers had a 44 Lancaster bombers of, of coming back. So more than half of there them didn't even come back. 18-year-old boys. Yeah. Yeah. So just putting it into perspective, get a grip of your life. You're so lucky that you, you even get to worry about something so silly. Stop being yeah, a cunt. Absolutely. Zoom yeah, out. That's privilege. Yeah. Take the bird's eye view. The fact that you can worry about something so small and trivial is you should be you should feel lucky that you can worry about something so silly. So take a step back, put it into a bigger perspective. Go read some bad news for once, you know, get a grip, you fucking idiot. And uh, this is something our clients do. Uh, and is ask yourself, what would John do in this situation? Yeah. Sometimes it's, people it's, do. It's, it's, it's a lot easier to have just this one person in their head that you go, well, what would they do? And it removes all the emotion in that moment. It takes you back to objectivity and to follow a process that you've learned from that person. And our clients do it all the time. They say, they say to us, don't they? What would I ask do? myself, what would EVG do? And then they I send that, that message back to, to prospects saying, no, we're not getting on the phone, dickhead. They don't buckle in, they don't pressure. And they almost, you know, become you in a weird way because they're using your systems. This, this is genuine, guys, like who are listening to this and girls. This is genuine. This actually happens quite frequently, scarily frequently. What would EVG yeah. do? And that's another thing that you can do is have someone in your head that whenever you feel a bit stupid, bit stuck, don't know what to do next, worried about something, anxiety, just, you know, ask yourself, what would this person do? If you join us, well, it's easy. You say, what would EBG do? And you just follow the systems that are laid out in black and white and paid by numbers. Mm. Um, in the, the Stoic books, is it, is it Aurelius thinking about what would Zeno do? Probably, I can't remember. There's so many of them, lot of strange names. But anyway, the point still stands. Having someone that you can look to and just ask yourself, what would they do? Oh, yeah. And that's just, for me, three really simple steps to build up resilience. If you do those steps every time you feel a little bit funky, 
you're going to do the thing that you know you should be doing anyway and you put your stupid little fears aside because you realize how insignificant and silly it is yeah i mean i, I wouldn't suggest anyone changes those there, there are several ways of doing it. that's one very good one what i'd add to it is this and this is this is a very fitting end for the podcast episode actually uh, memento mori yeah remember one day you are going to die um, and Earl Nightingale, I can't remember the original source of the quote, but Earl Nightingale passed it on. And he said, um, someone wrote, in a life where death is inevitable, why worry about anything at all? Yeah. Because, you know, no matter what happens, but it, you know, even the really bad stuff, like you, you lose your job, you lose your business, you lose a spouse, maybe a child dies, all those things. One day you are going to die. Yeah. And then nothing else will matter to you ever again for the rest of eternity. Um, unless you're religious, in which case, if you are religious, the chances are you believe you go to a better place. So whether you're religious or not, or whether you're right or not about your religion, the fact, the chances are overwhelming, as far as we can tell, when you're dead, it either ceases to matter or it'll be okay anyway, because you're somewhere better. Now, no one's going to tell me that Hugh Hefner's gone to a better place. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, remember, you are going to die one day. So when you start thinking about I'm scared to put my prices up. I'm scared to do something new. I'm scared to ask that girl for a fucking date. I'm scared to ask what I want for what I want in bed. All those things where you feel nervous. Just think, well, I'm not going to lie on my deathbed. And in my last hour, I think, oh, I wish I'd been more nervous asking girls. I wish I'd, mm. I wish I'd been more hesitant putting my prices up. I wish I hadn't been so headstrong in business. No, you're fucking not. You'll regret the things you didn't do, not the things you did, for the most part. Yeah. Unless that's why you're on your deathbed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. I can't believe I've forgotten Memento Mori because that is probably the most powerful. Just saying to yourself, so what? I'm going to fucking die. Anyway. Yeah, we all die one what's day. What's the bother? What's the bother of worrying? Even my this? dad. My dad swore blind. If he couldn't take his money with him, he wasn't going. He was wrong. <laughs> he dad. was wrong. He was wrong. What we do need to do, uh, it just hit me because another thing that the Stoics say is behave like someone is watching. We should say that to our clients more. Behave like EBG is watching. Is get a little bust made out of your head and oh, maybe have a little right. small growth out of the side, which is just a mini me on your neck. <laughs> so they can doesn't sound creepy desk. at all, does it? Stick <laughs> it on yeah, the ceiling but... when you're shagging the wife. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, on that note, we'll finish. There. All right. So uh, we did choreograph the ending. We just can use the eight, old, old ending. Yeah, absolutely. I can't already. Right, you even you close it up, big man. Wow, what do I say? If you want to make more money, oh, Lord, if you want to make more money with less work, let's ask a few headaches, attract the best clients, sell at high fees, and all get better work, all without prostituting yourself, being given the runaround, or giving huge gouging discounts, or begging or begging and begging for the work. Go to where do they go to? Uh, for this week, just tell them to email Holly. Email Holly, holly at growyourbusinessfast.co.uk, and she will sort you out. She's my daughter, so I'll get a cut. <laughs> all right cool. first podcast done pretty good pretty enjoyable yeah <laughs> got a lot out there didn't we all right see you next time guys and girls ta-ta bye-bye